We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? How are we still doing news podcasts? I don't know, Jack. What is this? Week six of quarantine. <laughs> this is like our seventh news podcast, but as always, a pleasure. Jack, talking Nets with you. And you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. But, Jack, we got some real, I guess, some real, real news this week from Mark Stein about the Nets coaching search. And he tweeted out the top candidates are Tyron Lue, Jason Kidd, Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, and interim head coach Jacques Vaughn. He also mentioned that Tom Thibodeau was not part of the search and solely a Knicks candidate. What was your initial reaction to this news? For me, it was just like, oh, I thought this was already out there. And I guess it already has been. But to have it confirmed by, you know, a guy with the credence and, and credibility of Mark Stein is sort of like, okay, well, these are really the guys out there. These guys sort of reflect, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's sort of sensibilities. You know, I think Jason Kidd was kind of mentioned. I think Mike Brown as well was sort of mentioned yep. as well. So there's names that sort of have history with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which makes a lot of sense. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you'd be dumb not to consult your superstars. You know, Ty Lue was, you know, basically through the gates for the job out in, in Lakerland before, you know, there was a dispute over money for him. So, you know, that was essentially a LeBron choice in many ways before Frank Vogel was sort of installed there. So you need to appease the superstars, and especially when you have 
the superstars of the caliber of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So I think these names reflect that. I think that there will be other names that pop up because I, I would be surprised if, you know, a guy that, you know, Mike D'Antoni, who I think some people, you know, a guy Matt Brooks, I think is souring on a little bit, you know, a Greg Popovich, who who we know has a history with the guys at Team USA, you know, uh, probably the number one candidate for anyone on that's Twitter. But in general, I think that this this list is fluid. Yeah, it seems fluid. And I'd say like, you know, with Popovich and D'Antoni, you know, they probably didn't want to leak that they're interested in those guys since they're technically still with a team. And I think which Stein part uh, mentioned in his tweets was the Nets aren't going to pick up full speed until the season is over or canceled to disrespect to the coaching staff and the team that is there now. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, at the end of the day, there could classy. be other assistants. Yeah, it's classy. And, you know, I think that we spoke about a name like Phil Handy as well. Yep. You know, if the Lakers are still around it and they're still in the championship mode, then it makes no sense for Phil Handy to come out and say, look, I kind of want to be a head coach right now. It's it's against, you know, the, the ethos and, and, and sort of what he should be working towards with that Lakers organization if they still do get that chance. So I think that there's a lot of moving parts within this. You know, it's nice to see and it gives us content a little bit and I think it sort of solidifies the sort of Ty Lu thing that sort of was was making waves as well you know I think that all of and you know there was days ago where it was like you know Kyrie doesn't want Ty Lu now he does want Ty Lu and it's just like okay I don't know what to believe yet it's still months and months until we're probably going to have a head coach anyway it's not going to be like you know the Bulls you know hiring the, the, the head of their front office you know there's the Nets could still have a season to go back to, and Jacques Vaughn could prove himself to be, you know, an insane Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse like savant, and he gets the job. And he's already, you know, he's had a few little ticks next to his name. So I think this list will expand. I know that the poll I put out had a, a huge favoritism towards Ty Lue. You know, there was other people who weren't necessarily Nets followers who were like, why aren't people getting giving enough love to Mark Jackson? And I think that we'll say sort of dissecting all the names because, you know, if the there's no basketball back, you know, Nick and I had a bit of an idea to really sort of break down these candidates in depth from every single person that's been rumored around. And I, that could be a fun series. But for now, Nick, out of those names, I guess, if did you vote in the poll? Who did you give the, your vote to? I voted Ty Lue. I mean, yeah. I'll say my probably my favorite at this choice would be Ty Lue just because of the previous relationship with Kyrie Irving and the reports from uh, Stefan Bundy saying that you know, they want to have a reunion. And also the fact Ty Lue recently won a championship and not yeah. only a championship, one of the greatest championships of you know the last 20 years coming back from 3-1. I'd say my least favorite candidate on the list is probably Mark Jackson. Yeah, and I think that the, the votes certainly do reflect that. I think I've got a, a, a decent following and a decent fan base that are quite intelligent, in my eyes anyway. You know, I think that, you know, our guy, you know, Zach Noble, who we have a bit of interactions with on OGG Basketball and the outlet and stuff, he was like, you know, Mark Jackson deserves a second shot. I think that he would, you know, it's not the last of his coaching tenure in Golden State. wasn't bad. You know, he sort of built the nucleus there. You know, I'm, I'm guess I'm playing devil's advocate for a sense. He, he built a nucleus there for what is one of the all-time dynasties. And I think that he would have some man management skills. You know, I'm, I'm sort of talking myself into it in a way that I don't necessarily believe. But at the end of the day, I, I would be surprised if it is Mark Jackson. But, you know, I want to go deep in, and do a bit of research uh, about it before I make a full sort of, you know, out, outland, outlandish statement about him. I certainly do think Tyloo as well. And the comments that really made me enthused about it, Nick, was during the week, I'm sure you probably heard it as well, was Richard Jefferson on the jump was saying that, you know, yep. Tyloo doesn't get the credit he deserves as an X's and O's coach. He said that he is one of the two best coaches, him and Greg Popovich, are the two best X's and O coaches that he has ever had since his high school days of basketball. And that just filled me with a heap of confidence. And I thought that I'm like, 
that is that's a good thing. You know, you're getting it from the horse's mouth, a person who has been there. And I think that that's something that it really fills you with confidence if the Nets were to go down that route. Yeah, and I mean, he does obviously have connections to the Nets franchise, doing uh, broadcasting yeah. with them now and being a former player. And I just think, you know, Ty Lu just has that, like, pop to him. And we kind of talked about a little bit on the Kyrie Irving season review about, like, getting the most out of Kyrie and KD. And you feel pretty confident that Ty Lue could do that because he was able to do it with LeBron and Kyrie. And obviously, we mentioned KD and LeBron, not the same skill set, but still two superstar players that need to have their touches and be set in the right position to do it. Like you said, we'll dive deep into these guys. It's really interesting. I was... I would say I was maybe slightly surprised that Jason Kidd made the list. I know he's an assistant coach looking for a head coaching job, but the fact the way, you know, the last stint in his uh, Brooklyn Nets coaching tenure went, obviously new management, new front office, but still a little surprising. Yeah, I think I was a little bit surprised too. I think part of it probably is that Jason Kidd has a stature about him. LeBron, yeah, a respect around just the NBA community and and the superstars and just the, what he did on the court. You know, his coaching uh, can be. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily label it in a certain way because he's had his good and his bad moments. So I, I think that there is obviously you know a, a reputation there, both good and bad. So it wasn't totally surprising. I think this list, I would, I want it to be extensive. I'm glad it doesn't include Tom Thibodeau. Does that fill you with a little bit of confidence, Nick? Yeah, it gives me some joy. It made me a little bit sour that Mark Jackson's on. I'm not going to lie. I don't mind Jeff <laughs> yes. Van Gundy as much, but I'm not a huge fan. I probably prefer Stan over Jeff. But the yeah, fact yeah, Thibodeau wasn't on there and Stein went out of his way to say that he wasn't on there made me feel good. Yeah, it means that you know whoever gave Mark Stein the information – someone in that front office or whoever it might be. Obviously, it could be, could have been Sean Marks himself. We don't know. It has to be someone with close alignment to the Nets organization in some sense of the imagination. It, it does make you feel confident that, okay, well, at least our uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving aren't going to be playing 39 minutes off the back of two incredibly serious injuries and, and, and having a, a high re-chance of, of reoccurrence of those injuries. So I think that all those names, Nick, uh, like I said, you know, keep a, keep an open mind for now, Nets fans. Nothing is set. It's good to sort of react and have some news to react to because, you know, we're craving it at this time. But I think that these names can change. Name New names will be added. Some of these names will be thrown out the door. And it could change in a matter of days. You know, I, I literally remember us talking about Ty Lue two or three episodes ago when it came to our news pods. And it was like, well, Ty Lue, Kyrie, I mean, doesn't really want Ty Lue. You know, they had a bad relationship. And then it's just like, all right, three weeks, two, three weeks later, and it's completely a 180. So everything is going to change uh, when it comes to news around the NBA and these nets. Yeah, and I think one thing that kind of sticks out all the coaches, maybe other than Jock Vaughn, is they all have some respect around the league, and I think that's something that's going to want to bring in a championship-level head coach that has the respect of Kyrie and KD. But moving on from coaching, like you mentioned, we'll get into that deeper. Uh, you posted a poll this week, and this has obviously been a kind of a hot topic in the Nets Twitter world who would be a better fit on next season's Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, this would be via trade. Aaron Gordon or John Collins. Jack, what was your you know, reasoning for this? Just Nets Twitter talking about it, and who's your personal preference? Yeah, so I sort of saw this. I think I posted it like as I was going to bed or I'm just <laughs> like, you know what, let's just – I always – my general Twitter habits, and let's just get a, a little bit of a dumb insight that people probably don't want to hear. Because I am so damn far away from you guys and I can't post at all hours of the day, I need to be selective with what and how I tweet. So it's always a before bed tweet, and then as soon as I wake up, I see something, then I want to tweet as well so I can get some traction. Because generally, of my followers, a large portion of them are Americans and are net fans. So I need to make sure that 
I put out content that sort of fits that. So for me, this one was just like, all right, Aaron Gordon has been uh, rumored to be with the Nets for a very, very long time. The John Collins rumor had a mild traction and then sort of fizzled out and it sort of brought back up. You know, the Nets, Nets Twitter and Nets social media loves to get into the trade scenarios. And I thought that these two guys play similar positions, have similar talent levels and have different, completely different fits on this Nets team. So it was just interesting to see how this sort of poll turned out. And it ended up being, you know, 46% was at Aaron Gordon and 54% was at John Collins. I personally would have voted for Aaron Gordon purely because I think it would cost less. I think John Collins has more raw talent, but I think Aaron Gordon has plenty of raw talent. And I think his defensive acumen is much more what the Nets need. And I think he's fit just purely what exactly the question that I asked. His fit purely on the Nets team is better. Yeah, I like Aaron Gordon. That's who I voted for in the poll. It actually led me to do a little bit of research on Aaron Gordon, posted a little okay. video of showing his on-ball and off-ball defense and his ability to create turnovers. And we've kind of talked about it with Matt Brooks and different guests on the show. Offense does not seem like it's really going to be an issue for the Nets. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and then you know whoever stills left on the roster, probably Joe Harris will be there and they'll probably have a rim runner. So you want somebody who can pro- provide that defense. And John Collins really hasn't shown that yet. I mean, there's probably potential there, but he hasn't done it consistently. Where we saw Aaron Gordon in the postseason last year really have a lot of good possessions on Kawhi Leonard. And at the end of the day, if you're winning a championship, you're probably either going to have to go through Kawhi, LeBron, or Giannis in some way or another, or even like a Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. So you want a defender like Aaron Gordon that can alleviate the pressure off KD and also just create some disruption to make you more of a two-way team. And I think Gordon provide that. And also, I love his versatility. I think you can get super creative with him and playing him in different lineups and matching him up with different guys. And his three ball hasn't been super consistent, but we've seen some peaks of it where there's maybe potential for him to be better in that aspect. I like his form. I, I like his form. And I think, you know, he's a decent enough free throw shooter. You know, you look at all the things that generally you sort of look towards and is he going to be a good three-point shooter? He's decent enough there. And I think, you know, I would like if John, if, if John Collins was a slightly, at least at par defender with what Aaron Gordon is, or could play more ball at small ball five. I'm not necessarily confident of that yet. I don't think that he has the defensive acumen. And I don't think that his three ball is there as much. And I'm a bit more confident now with Aaron Gordon. You know, it'd be nice to do a massive deep dive into sort of their, their B-ball ref sort of pages and go, all right, well then let's get the into the minutiae of it. But I think it's just more of a subjective thing. For me, Aaron Gordon just provides something that, you know, I, I'm not necessarily in love with either of them, and, you know, if it meant having to give up Spencer Dimley, that's not something that I necessarily considered. It was just purely okay. I don't care about the trade packages. It's Collins. It's Gordon. And for me, I think all the things that you sort of mentioned there, Nick, the Nets need a really, really good defender. And, you know, just earlier this week, you know, John Hollinger put out a piece for The Athletic and said that he thinks that, you know, Rudy Gobert could add something tremendous to this Nets team. And uh, we've spoken about that on previous pods as well. And when you hear that come from a, a guy of John Hollinger's stature, it makes you think maybe maybe the Nets should go down that route. And, you know, I guess that if I were to add Rudy Gobert into that poll, Nick, would that change the trajectory at all for you? Uh, I think I'd maybe prefer Gordon. Okay. I think that you can get him at the cheaper price like you hinted at earlier because there's been reports from Orlando, even at this past deadline, that they were trying to move him. So that's a team trying to move somebody. And also Gordon's contract is declining. 
And I just don't feel like you have to give up a ton and allow you to kind of maintain some of your depth. Where if you trade with Utah, I feel like you're giving up a little bit more because Rudy Gobert is a defensive player of the year. And John Collins is obviously a young piece. And then with trading for Collins, you have to worry about that contract, you know, extending it after it runs out. So I've, I've really sold myself on Gordon. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Maybe it's the fact that, you know, Probably trading for Gordon means the Nets get to keep Kyrie Savert. I'm not sure, but I like the potential of surrounding KD and Kyrie with a lot of very good players. Maybe not All Star level level players, but fringe All Stars. And I think that might might be the best bet for them. Yeah, I think that the Nets need to consider all ways and will be considering all ways to improve the team, and 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 we know that's definitely going to happen. So uh, it's certainly one to keep an eye on, Nick. But with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From the online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. You know, there's been plenty of news coming from uh, the mouth of Draymond Green and Uninterrupted <laughs> and, and Mav Carter and all those guys. And to be fair, as much as I'm not the biggest Draymond Green fan, I do love the talking head sort of stuff when we see guys get really sort of forthright. And, and I think Draymond would be a great analyst, you know, in, in, and I think I heard Dave DeForce and, you know, the guys at the athletics say that as well, that he thinks that he would make a great analyst and sort of guy who would be a, a really good commentator. And he had some things to say about Kevin Durant, Nick. And, uh, obviously I'm, I'm assured most people probably know that not the biggest fan of it, you know, obviously came in response to the last dance, uh, documentary, which was absolutely sensational. And, you know, he described Kevin Durant's sort of contract as the elephant in the room. And um, what did you think, Nick? I mean, I hated it because we all, I mean, I posted in the OTG group chat that he was on the jump right after KD signed and saying, well, you know, it's KD's decision. It's up to him. He can do what he wants. It should be that way. And then they go back, you know, whatever it is, eight months later, six months later, and completely change your mind on it because maybe your season's not going as well or you're just trying to get some up extra hype on your name or maybe you're bored. I just, I really didn't like the comments. And it's just like, why does KD owe it to you to tell you when he's going to leave or what he's going to do? If KD was like, oh, I'm leaving, first off, we know it would have been the biggest story. And then you would have talked shit about it after the season saying, oh, we wouldn't have won a chip because KD wasn't invested in this team or blah, blah, blah. So it's really just Draymond talking his, you know, talking his shit and trying to kind of throw more shade on KD after he left. And I think some of it's kind of because of KD coming out and saying that one of the main reasons he left was because of the relationship with Draymond. Yeah, and you know he went sort of really um, talking to all the smoke with uh, Matt Barnes to see Jack was also talking about the 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 infighting, sort of what happened after the Clippers game. You know, I, I think that it's it's like beating a dead dog. You know, at the end of the day, yep. you know, Kevin Durant doesn't owe anyone anything, and we're obviously coming from a point of view that's probably going to favor Kevin Durant. And I understand, I guess, where Draymond is coming from, but when is it ever going to happen? You know, hypothetically, we hear Kevin Durant say, yeah, this is going to be my last season, and, and then I'm going to move on from, from the Golden State Warriors. One, maybe he didn't know. I, I, and, you know, he said that he he made the decision, you know, when he called up, you know, DeAndre and Kyrie. 
So maybe he didn't know. Or maybe he knew he was leaving, he just didn't know where. I don't think that it would have changed anything in the sense of the imagination. It's not going to make Kevin Durant play better. You know, it might create a, a little bit more of a harmony within the locker room. You know, Steve, Steve Kerr tried to go Phil Jackson and sort of, you know, kumbaya at last dance sort of for the Golden State Warriors. I still think that they probably, and Draymond said this himself, you know, they would have won the championship anyway. Yeah. Like, if, if, if Kevin was, in, was, was not, you know, didn't have the Achilles injury, if Clay Thompson didn't have the ACL injury, they were that close to beating the Raptors anyway. So it's not like it would have changed anything. The things that would have changed was if their team was healthy. And I understand that you know, it makes for nice little podcast fodder and it's great to talk about and it's nice to get an insight into the locker rooms of these superstar dynastic teams. But I think that everyone needs to chill and Draymond Green can have two opposing views. That's fine at the end of the day. It doesn't necessarily change anything. You know, I'm, I'm sure that when Golden State are back, if you know, the handshakes are allowed, when the, the teams do happen to play again, they'll probably dap each other up. I don't think that there is any deep blood about it, but I remember you know, thinking at the time when Draymond did make those comments where he called in the B word, I was like, oh, okay, that's, uh, that's something where you're attacking you know, a, a person's masculinity a little bit. And I think Draymond is the kind of guy a la Michael Jordan style in terms of his trash talk. Not saying in basketball ability, but I think he knows how to really push the buttons. And I think that he gets away with it a little bit. But this time, obviously, Kevin Durant wasn't the biggest fan. And I think that's fair enough. Yeah, 100%. And I think the fact that the Warriors aren't the same team, Draymond gets away with it a little bit less, you know, year after year, especially with his production, is was pretty trash this season. Yeah, he was putting up those triple single numbers, as uh, Charles, Bar <laughs> Charles Barkley likes to say. Nick, do you want to hear some of the quotes? And you know, I've, I've been able to do a little bit of research and find them uh, while they're, they're pretty extensive. But um, you know, everyone likes hearing my voice, I guess. Yeah, just let me drop one more thing about it, and this Go. just popped in my head. It's like, why in what world are you coming at KD about being the elephant in the room when this guy? put his body on the line for you and got re-injured and tore his Achilles. Like, in what way was he not all in on the team? You know what I mean? If KD said, hey, I'm not coming back to the finals, I'm too worried about the next year of my career, fine. You want to say those things? Really understandable. But the fact is he came in and what, game five, tried to play and then tore his Achilles and now is going to miss a year of basketball, which we all know is like when you're a legend like KD is, every year of basketball matters to the highest extent. So it's just like crazy to even say this. It is. And uh, I guess the comments, Nick, and, and it's it's really nice to sort of get this from Draymond. You know, so, you know, it provides us, you know, five minutes of podcast content <laughs> and we'll take anything we can get. So cheers, Draymond. He said, beginning of the year, I told Bob and Steve, I'm struggling with Kevin right now. I need some help. It's frustrating and I need some help. Nobody did shit. So I'm kind of stuck in this position, but all right. So we're playing the Clippers, and you know how I am. I'm going to roll with you. I'll take the bullet for you. I'll take the heat in the media for you. I'll take the suspension for you. I'll take the fine. I'll take the tech, whatever for my guys. But in return, all I need from you is just to know that you're with me. He comes to the bench, and he slaps the bench like, yo, pass me the effing ball. I'm like, get the F out of here. Effing run then. And he's like, you heard what I effing said, and slaps the chair. Pass me the effing ball. I'm like, yo, you better calm the F down. I don't know who the F you think you're talking to. Remember, I got the pulse of this team. I got the pulse of the organization. I already know you one foot in and one foot out. By the way, I'm the closest person here to you. When you have a problem, when shit's going on in your life, the person you talk to here is me. We got that relationship. So that's why I'm like, yo, who the F you think you're talking to? I've been an all-star before you got here. I've been doing this. Don't talk to me like I'm one of those little dudes that don't know how to hoop. I'm a grown-ass man. 
And then he started cussing back, and I'm cussing back. And then Demarcus Cousins pulled me out of the huddle, like, "Yo, calm down. I feel you coming where you're coming from, but relax. It's too much." Uh, that was uh, it's insightful, and, and I guess you know, no one's I guess in the wrong. It's just you know that's what happens in basketball, heat of the moment stuff. Yeah, we actually just talked about this a little bit on the OTG replay. And it's pretty much the extent is like two guys are arguing and then one guy argues and takes it to that like next level. And I think that's what happened in the situation where Draymond saying they don't need him. Obviously, he didn't mention that in the quote. But the fact is, he said that to KD. I think it's upsetting. And I was saying into the extent we're talking on the, the outlet is like, yo, if KD wants an ISO and he wants the ball. Like, give him the ball. Maybe he sees something on the court for a reason that he doesn't want you to bring it up, and you ended up turning over the ball, and they end up losing the game. So I think in that perspective, it happens. Like, you have disagreements. One person wants to play it this way. Another person wants to play it that way. It happens. You're going to curse at each other. It's healthy to curse at your friends, long as you don't take it to that next level, and I think that's what happened. Yeah, and I think in the heat of battle, what Kevin said, you know, pass me the ball, you know, and, you know, sort of throwing a few expletives in there, you know, I think Draymond took it to a way that was just like he was attacking him. And it didn't, yeah. at least from that quote, and you know, I can imagine how Draymond said it as well in the podcast, it didn't seem like that was the way that he was attacking him as you know a close confidant and a friend. You know, Draymond was the one that texted him after they got blown out by LeBron James after blowing that 3-1 lead. So, you know, I understand that there was a close relationship there, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's it's fun to to analyze, and you know, both guys were probably in 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 the wrong in some ways. Draymond probably wasn't the reason why Kevin Durant left Golden State. I thought that it was likely enough. You know, I stupidly thought it would it would be the Knicks due to all the the rumblings and the Rich Kleiman connection and that sort of thing. But uh, I'm damn grateful that we're talking about him on a Brooklyn Buzz podcast. And I think to to some extent, you know. This is also a Draymond viewing himself differently than maybe he's perceived publicly or just in general from other players. I mean, he had comments this week saying he's a better player than Charles Barkley and that Steph didn't just change basketball was him too. So maybe it's a little bit of like Draymond's ego. I'm not really sure. I don't know him, but just based off of the quotes we're hearing. Yeah, and and I think that... You know, it's it's going to be interesting to see. You know, now Draymond loves to talk, and it's it's part of the reason why we do love him, and he draws so many fans. That you know, when the NBA does come back, and when Steph and, and Clay are fit again, can he back it up? And can we get the 2015, 2016 version of Draymond Green that was revolutionary and changed the game in many ways? Lucky like also did send a podcast, and you know, um, I'm calling him out in for a couple of reasons, but I also do love that, and I prefer. You know, players that have a personality of Draymond Green and guys that sort of just like shield themselves. You know, I love Kawhi Leonard, you know, he, he for, for his basketball exploits, but it'd be nice to know what's going on in the psyche. It'd be nice to know what happened in San Antonio. It'd be nice to know what's going on in Clippers land. And, you know, if he actually did have a lunch with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, all these little things. But, you know, Draymond and KD drama, I think we can maybe put it to bed now, but uh, I, unless Kevin speaks about it, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I like how Kevin's not speaking about it. I think it's a smart move from him just to let it be. It's it's old. It doesn't really matter. Just let it go. But we had uh, some more talk about our other superstar and Kyrie Irving. Jackie Mack was on a podcast, and this is a quote from her. Kyrie is complicated. I like Kyrie, always have. He's kind of his own worst enemy sometimes. Even in Brooklyn, he was there a short time, and he just makes things so uh, things difficult. And I don't know why he does that. I don't want to speak for him. What did you take from this, if anything? 
Um, I think she's kind of said this before Jackie McMullen on other podcasts. And there was like that articles. pre that article before the season that popped out about like the whole China thing, kind of right. Yeah, and obviously, you know, not taking off his hat, and you know whether yeah. maybe that's why Kenny lost his job. He told Kyrie <laughs> to take off his hat, and uh, you know, you don't tell the superstar to take off his hat. Um, oh, he obviously did keep it on in that photo. You know, obviously. I trust, you know, a person of Jackie McMullen's stature. You know, we spoke about Mark Sign and the names that he reported. Uh, I think there are a few reporters that can access an athlete and report on them in a way that's as illuminating as Jackie McMullen. Her piece on Ben Simmons was sensational. And whenever she does talk about Kyrie Irving, I pay attention. So some of this has to be like, mm, is that worrying? Or is that just, you know, words that have been said before just in a different way on a different platform? You know, Difficult, you know, I think, you know, the words that you take out of it, his own worst enemy, difficult. Why does he do that? Um, I don't know how much to take from it, Nick. I, I guess when I saw this and you sent it to me, I'm like, mm. I'm interested to hear what Nick says so we can kind of talk through it because, you know, I try to take the, the opinion of people I trust and what they say about it before I go, nah, this is where I stand on it. So I'm, I'm a bit in the middle. Yeah, I think kind of what you said, Jack, it feels like some of it is just old stuff from what she talked about earlier. But I think sometimes Kyrie is his worst enemy. You know, we saw the whole quote earlier in January or February talking about, you know, we need some more guys, you know, we got XX player. And then he didn't talk about Joe Harris or Jared Allen, just as kind of, to be honest, a stupid comment. He could have just left it off without saying any names or just saying KD, you know what I mean? And being like me and KD need help and not referencing other guys. So I think some of the decisions he makes in terms of speaking aren't great. But, I mean, he is who he is. He's a person. But I think the Nets understand that, and they're willing to deal with it. And I'll also say I feel like Kyrie's grown from where he was early in Cleveland to where he is now in Brooklyn. We heard the whole talk about, you know, saying how he wished he handled things different with LeBron. And then, obviously, it kind of seasons the same way with Ty Lue now that he's willing to be, you know, have him coach him again. So I think some of it's true, but I think Kyrie's maybe improved a little. But I can see where Jackie Mack has come with his quote. Yeah, I think he's... He's still figuring it out. Like, yeah. You know, he's obviously, you know, he had he's his still a young lost. adult. He's, you know, 27, 28 years old. That's generally when you sort of figure out who you are and it solidifies who you are for a very long time. And, you know, he's doing it in an environment where he feels comfortable. So he's going to make mistakes. Those comments that we've sort of spoken about before were one of them. There's probably some stuff behind the scenes that hasn't been the best either. So, you know, I think that you have to take this. You take the good with the bad when it comes to Kyrie Irving. And you hope at the end of the day, that the superstar level of play that he can produce on the court, you know, supersedes what he can be, you know, in terms of the negativity that he can provide in some of the comments that he can make and maybe some of the discourse he can provide in the locker room. I'm not sure. You know, I think that at least, you know, from the Nets perspective, I think compared to teammates of the past, I think the teammate and locker room of, of 14, 15 guys is as perfect as it can be for Kyrie Irving. And it's sort of fit. And I'm just saying currently right now, you know, before you add in some other vets and, and whoever, and if he can't make that work in, in terms of being one, a one B leader, then I think that there are some things that are going to tarnish his legacy somewhat because, you know, in Boston, he was traded there. We've spoken about that before. Yes. It was a sensational team. Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, rising young stars in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But now, this team is fitted around him and Kevin Durant. So if he can't make it work, and we've spoken about that, I think, when we first spoke about his free agency, that you know he wants to be there. He chose them. So he needs to make it work or it's going to look badly on him. And you know I think that that's still the case. 
Yeah, I agree, Jack. The fact that he chose here and he said all the right things at the early press conferences, it's like, okay, this needs to work or, you know, it's somewhat on you. And I don't think needs things need to be perfect to win a championship. We're seeing now with the Last Dance documentary that things were not perfect with the Chicago Bulls, but the talent was there and they're able to work together and win a championship. And that's what the Nets need to do. They don't need to be happy and just, you know, hang out all the time and have all these great moments like we saw kind of with last year's team. If their chemistry is okay and it's good and they can win a championship, that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's it's chips or nothing. I, I don't care if <laughs> chips Kevin or nothing. Durant, I like it. <laughs> it's chips or nothing. If if Kevin Durant wants to swear and curse out Joe Harris, I'll, I'll take it if we win a championship. <laughs> but if we don't, then Kevin Durant is going to be my mortal enemy for the rest of time. <laughs> so there we have it. So that's what it is, KD. If you want to curse out players, as long as you want to chip, you got a free pass from us. And Absolutely. for Jack saying you're allowed to do that, that's big. Hey, and especially after Joe Harris had came out and said that he. Well, he didn't say it you know, recently. He said it in 2014 when he was still at college. Big Katy Perry fan, Nick. Is that something we're going to spend 10 or 15 minutes on here? I was really surprised <laughs> that I saw that. I saw you tweet about it, and I was like, how did this even get on my timeline? Like, what are we talking about? It's kind I, of surprising. I didn't peg Joe as a Katy Perry fan. Look, I let's put it this way. Oh, I got bored, and I just typed in weird Joe Harris. And it's the first thing that popped up. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, let's post this. Why not? And post it with the shitty sort of caption as I did. And I mean, you know, Katy Perry's not the top of my uh, pop star rankings. You know, I'm a bit of a Riri and Beyonce fan. But, you know, I, I, she's she's got some gems. Teenage Dream, as our, our guy Jay did like to say as well. A couple of good ones. And I, I won't hold it against Joe Harris like our boy Nolan Jensen did. I'll say this. If that's the weirdest thing about Joe Harris, I think that's a really good sign. Yeah, I mean, he's a pretty normal. I mean, the weirdest thing is that he's just so damn beautiful. <laughs> But we do have to talk about KD, Jack. Tell me about it. So, Nick, Kevin Durant, uh, we obviously spoke about some of the stuff in relation to Draymond Green, but also, you know, there was a Nets Daily piece talking about him and how, like, how awesome he damn was in the scrimmages before the shutdown. And I'm just loading up the article right now. And, you know, it was via Alex Schiffer. And, you know, we saw the Nick Claxton one. Nick's watched that, you know, 18 million times probably. And then, you know, he was talking about... You know, he's driving off his uh, his right foot um, and, you know, the injured Achilles and such. And, you know, obviously there was, it's just plenty of, plenty of updates. So Schiffer quoted both Theo Pinson and Garrett Temple, who had, you know, played a bit of one-on-one before the shutdown. And they said, even though he was at less than full strength, stopping him proved challenging. Pinson said last month, he's unguardable. You think you're contesting it? Playing good defense in a, in a way he doesn't even see you. It makes us better. And we're trying to challenge him too. Uh, the places he scores from, this is via Temple, he's very efficient in the way that he scores and he shoots that he takes, even in 3-on-3. Three three. It really isn't much different when he does 3-on-3 three three than he does in 5-on-5. Five five. He assesses the defense and goes from there. I mean, uh, Theo Pinson isn't the greatest defender in the world, but it's still nice to hear. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, Garrett Temple, I think, is not going to come out and lie. Obviously, they're going to back their guy. But the fact is they're saying he looks like KD of old. It's a common thing you'll hear from teammates. But it still makes you feel confident about where he's at in terms of his rehab and his chance at being closer to the KD that we saw previously in Golden State and OKC to be that same guy in Brooklyn. Obviously, we expect a slight drop-off, but it seems like he's getting there. And the fact is, like, he's unguardable because of his physical measurements, because he's a seven-foot player with freakishly long arms that has a skill set of a guard. It was never like... KD's the fastest guy or has the craziest vertical. He's a good athlete, but his game was never dependent on that. 
Yeah, and I think that well, it's it's things that we've repeated and we'll continue to repeat. You know, we're lucky to have we him. Love on him. The, <laughs> and we're damn lucky to have him on the team. And you know, obviously, hopefully, get to see him in person when all this craziness does uh, tend to sort of calm down a little bit. But yeah, positive things to hear. Nothing that I didn't expect to hear. You know, a guy that's six foot eleven and has the arms of a goddamn snake. You know, I'm. Oh, that was a, probably a misused word, but uh, you know, <laughs> drag drag me for that, and then if you want. But yeah, I, I think it wasn't necessarily anything that was was new news. But you know, it's nice to hear it come from your know, teammates and, and people that have actually been there and, and are seeing his recovery sort of happen in person. You know, it's it's going to be damn exciting to see it, and hopefully, we get to see a, a near perfect Kevin Durant when he does return. I think that out of any of the people that have recovered from serious injury, I think Kevin Durant has a really good chance at it. You know, obviously. You know, being the the quarantine happening as it is, it's it's tricky and it's difficult for these guys to continue to you know attack their rehab. So obviously, it's going to be something that we'll be keeping an eye on. But at least he's hitting those shots, so he hasn't lost that. He's still thunderstruck. One thing that gave me a little bit more confidence about Katie's return was actually some of the stuff that came out. I think it was via Draymond or just some of the Golden State stuff that Katie was so upset that he wasn't viewed as the best player in the league after 2017. So that seems like something that he really, really values. And even coming off an Achilles injury, you could argue this is his best opportunity to be the best player in the league. He probably was doing it prior to the Achilles injury, but he was never going to get the proper respect in Golden State playing along Steph and Clay and Draymond. I think that he has a, a good enough chance at it. It's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, if we were looking to a crystal ball and to just go, okay, what's Kevin Durant going to be like when he comes back, you know, without. We'd be very wealthy men, let's put it that way. And with our probably You hear a lot of takes on it too, both ways. Yeah, and I'm I, I don't stand one way or another. I'm I'm, a, I'm obviously a mild pessimist, but obviously an optimist when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. And it's just gonna be I don't know. You know, I, again, you know, I don't really I'm I'm generally a fence sitter when it comes to things that I don't have enough information about. And you know, this is something that you know, Rich Kleiman is, you know, has said that, you know, he wasn't gonna come back. His mum was happy that he wasn't gonna come back. All these things that we've spoken about before. But, you know, I think that Kevin Durant is the most important variable in the Brooklyn Nets success and in their championship hunt. And we need him back at close to or full health for that to happen. And it's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm always gonna be super positive. And I do have a little confidence in the aspect of if KD was maybe a step slower or just wasn't the same athlete, that he can change his game enough where he's still a very, very high impact player. We've mentioned before, worst case worst case scenario, he's Dirk. Yeah, and that's a that's a damn good thing. <laughs> yeah, like that's another Hall of Famer right there. But uh, moving on to our guy, Spencer Dinwiddie, looks like Spencer was doing some work during quarantine and he wants to play for the Nigerian national team. And this is, and you know, this was reported by Shams and you know, uh, funnily enough, Spencer wanted to say it himself, but Shams somehow got the news uh, before him as he tends to I'd be low-key upset. <laughs> I mean, he, I think some people were also, one thing I was, some of these insiders, you know, they're, they're great news and. I think the Jalen Green news, you know, he was going to announce that himself and then someone from ESPN, Jonathan Gavoni or, or Mike Schmitz, one of the draft guys sort of introduced it before, you know, he had that opportunity to, you know, this is a personal announcement. And so you're, you're sort of taking, away from some, taking it away from someone. And, you know, that, that's a little bit crappy. You know, you, you'd rather sort of text the guy first, but, you know, the, these guys get paid the big bucks to do those sort of things and to step on some toes. But the news anyway is that, you know, Spencer Dimoni's, in the process of acquiring a Nigerian passport, uh, which could see him represent the na African nation at the next Olympics. And 
you know, Mike Brown uh, was the former Golden or his coach, obviously, plenty of teams, including uh, the Golden State as an associate. You know, he's going to be the head coach. And, you know, the ESPN article that I had a little bit of a look at as we've been chatting, Nick, is, you know, the, the process, it's kind of interesting. And there's a, an, a Nigerian Basketball Federation official told ESPN that his name has been under consideration since last year. He started talking about two years ago because we had some areas where we have weaknesses and the point guard was a major one. We have a lot of depth in our forwards and centers. I think the guys got like Al Farouk Aminu um, and they, they sort of, uh, I'll, I'll look it up actually before I, I, I make some declarations. Uh, <laughs> it is that playmaker that was the issue. And to compete at that level, we need to be able to match up with the best. We haven't found a dependable point guard until now. And to be honest, at the level we were competing at, like at the Afro basket, we didn't really need it. But the World Cup and Olympics are on a different level. At that level, we need a very dependable point guard. And Dinwiddie really will be very useful in that position and is on the top of the list, even though Ben Uzo has been dependable for a very long time. So it's, uh, it, it, it's sort of like they were scouting him. It's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, I think it's a good opportunity for Spencer to get, you know, some more showcase and obviously have an opportunity to represent a country. And I mean, he's a really good guard. If you want something to show up your guard play, Spencer might be your guy, especially looking a little bit at the roster, at least the NBA guys that I know, they don't, they're not necessarily filled with offensive talent. So Spencer, we know is a guy that can drop 20 to 30 points. I don't want to say with ease, but it's something he can do regularly. Yeah, the NBA sort of talent is, you know, guys like Ekpe Udo, Josh Okoji, Alfred Gaminu, Semio, um, no, not Semio, that's a different name. But yeah, there's some guys there that, you know, they could challenge for a medal. And if you have, you know, you know, I know Paddy Mills is, is a guy that's always performed beyond himself for, for the uh, for the boomers and, you know, has won, you know, MVPs at, at Olympics and, you know, international events because he's just so damn important to this, to, to the Australian team. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a nice thing, and obviously Spencer is was going to be incredibly unlikely to to represent the the American team, uh, Team USA. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he experiences a bit of success, and I'll certainly be watching um, Nigerian basketball a little bit closer if you know when this process does come to fruition. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, like I said, I think it's a great opportunity for Spencer and to kind of showcase what he can do on a national scale. Our international scale and just really, you know, take his game to another level. We know it has, you know, it wasn't with team. It's not going to be with Team USA, but we know that the Team USA experience with Joe Harris was positive. Definitely, you know, any international experience, you know, just different ways of playing high-level basketball yep. is going to impact and, and benefit you in some sort of way. And you know, the Olympics is a big stage, so hopefully we do get to see him. Hopefully, you know, he gets that passport sorted sooner rather than later. It's uh, it's exciting stuff, and I think it's pretty cool. But uh, Nick, I am now, um, you are no longer my favorite Nick. Nick Claxton, answer my question for our <laughs> best buddies. My best buddies, mate. Yeah, I, well, I guess you can stay with him when you come to the States then, Jack. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, he'll play, I'll play a bit of 2K with him because he apparently said that he's the, he's the best 2K player on the squad. And I know some people were unhappy with the fact that Kevin Durant represented us. Um, but he answered my question, which was, you know, the question that really wanted to be heard by everyone. I asked him what part it of your game... That's a good question. I mean, I was like, hmm, I saw, I think I saw like um, Doug uh, uh, post a, a question to him. Like, you know, I'll, I'll sneak one in there too. And uh, I asked him, what part of your game do you want to improve on most for the rest of this season slash next season? And he said, continuing to work on my jump shot and add that strength. Uh, what are your thoughts on that answer, Nick? Perfect answer. I mean, if he wants to get on the court, we know he needs to get stronger to deal with NBA bodies. And we know 
he's probably going to be a complimentary piece if he's on the court. He's not going to get touches to create. He's going to either be playing with, you know, uh, KD or Kyrie or Spencer or Karras, so plenty of creators out there. Hit your jumpers. You'll have plenty of open looks. It makes a lot of sense. And it, if he's able to be a good three-point shooter and showcase some of the defense he played this year, I think there is a role for him on next year's team. Yeah, I mean, I we've spoken about and I guess it, it will lead us into it eventually. But I just wanted to pick out some of the other questions that were asked as well. And he was asked, what was the best moment in your rookie season so far? And he said that the best moment was Karis Levert now having the 51 at Boston. The selflessness of this kid is uh, something else for like a 19-year-old. Yeah, he easily could have said, you know, getting my first NBA minutes, you know, the dunks I threw down in Portland, my defense on Devin Booker, or, you know, matching up against any, you know, NBA big that he played against. But he shouted out Karis, and that's a good way to get on my good side. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. Maybe we'll have to be sharing whatever apartment with uh, Nick Claxton <laughs> soon enough if, if we get lucky enough in the future. But uh, you had a question from a fan on Twitter, Nick, and I guess it, it relates to our boy Nick Claxton. Yes, we were asked by Netshead, uh, who do you think will have a bigger role on the team next year, Rodion's or Claxton? I think we, I might have put a poll out on this as well when we were doing the rewatch with Nolan last weekend, the, and, or at least something to, to this effect. And it was overwhelming, or it might have been, who do you want more on this team? And you know, the overwhelming majority was for Nick Claxton. You know, Nick Claxton, uh, it's, it's interesting because he's at the position where there is no area of need. You know, we have two yep. starting caliber centers, but he does have a unique skill set. And the fact that he wants to work on that jump shot, being the best jump shooting center out of the three, I think gives him a point of difference that I think is more important than, you know, Jared Allen and he's maybe high level defensive acumen. You know, DeAndre is going to be there. We know that he's, he's best buds with the, with the two superstars. So maybe that sets him apart. And, Obviously, Jaron Allen has been brought up plenty in trade packages that we've discussed with on, on plenty of other podcasts with plenty of other guests. So that is a positive thing. The one thing about Rodion's, you know, I want to argue for him because, you know, if we were to see out of him this season in a hypothetical world, even mild growth or even the same level of basketball that we saw in his rookie season, then I think he would have solidified himself as a rotation piece. He is in the rotation right now when it comes to he's a four uh, for the Brooklyn Nets anyway. And he's the third four in the rotation. You know, it's Wilson Chandler, who's number one now, who's usurped Torian Prince, you know, since uh, Kenny took him out of the rotation uh, to the bench. Then it's Torian Prince, who's a 3-4 tweener. And then it's Rodion's. You know, to be, and I think that's probably what's disappointing for him because there was a real chance and opportunity for him to get some minutes. You know, whether it was, you know, as a backup off the bench, a backup spark plug, you know, there's plenty of guys that do that in, in today's NBA. You know, they just provide a, an element of something that you just don't get. And you know, it, it's whether it's defensive acumen or hitting the three ball. Um, it's I, I can't really even make an argument for Rodion. So uh, I think that it's it's Nick Claxton, not necessarily hands down, but because we haven't seen much, if any, growth from Rodion's, apart from you know, there were periods where he was hitting that three ball and he was just damn wet. And then he just stopped taking it. And obviously, yeah. I think some of that did relate to the rotation minutes and some of that goes on Kenny because I don't think he played either of these guys enough for us to go, okay, Claxton's going to be part of this rotation. Oh, yeah, definitely Rodin's going to be part of this rotation. And, you know, I think some of that does go on Coach Kenny and obvious, or former Coach Kenny. Uh, but, yeah, for me, it's, it's probably Claxton. Who is it for you? Yeah, I would say Clax. The only argument, I think, for Rodion's is he can play minutes at the three. 
You know what I mean? Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities where Clax is pretty much locked to the four or five. Maybe if you're like, hey, maybe you'll play KD at the three, Clax at the four, Jared down at the five, you went super big. Clax is able to knock down a three ball. I think that's more of a possibility. But also the fact that the Nets were looking to move Rodion's last year, at least that was rumblings around the deadline and prior, it feels like they're more invested in Claxton, especially the fact that, you know, he's the real young piece on this team that has a chance to develop into a very good player. No disrespect to Rodion's. I don't think he'll ever sniff being an all-star where I could easily make an argument about Claxton sniffing all-star appearance. Yeah, I think that you know, ultimate ceiling for, for Rodion's is Andre Kirilenko. Ultimate ceiling yeah. for Nick Claxton is you know the one that everyone Chris brings Bosch. up is, is Chris Bosh. So the, 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 those ceilings are, are tremendous. But you know when you're talking about flaws and stuff, I even think Nick Claxton right now has a better floor. I think that he just has a better NBA feel right now. And yep. you know, obviously, I don't, want to take anything away from Ronald's rookie season. And, you know, obviously a lot can happen in that sophomore season. We can see steps back. You know, he could bounce back, whether that's in a Brooklyn Nets setting or in an outside setting. You know, I, I'd be absolutely elated if we were to see Rodion's uh, on this roster and absolutely producing at a high level. You know, the times where I'm like, damn, he's gotten Blake Griffin to a high extent. And that's when Blake Griffin was absolutely balling out and playing all NBA caliber basketball. So there are moments where it's just like... I wish we had the height, the best level of Rodeo's courts, but I think some of it is on him, some of it's on the coaching, some of it's on just the, the new roster. It, it changes everything, the, the new environment, and obviously the off-court stuff, which still hasn't been resolved. So uh, for me, um, I'm hoping it's Clax, and, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, be against you know, keeping Rodeo's either because you know, he has provided uh, a lot of entertainment and, and a lot of value to Nets fans in his short span too. I think another argument for Rodeo's would be that he can be a pest. Like he can be that annoying team that every championship team needs, you know, not on a starting level, but on a bench role. He just, we've seen him do it already. He has annoyed the shit out of plenty of NBA players from Vince Carter to Blake Griffin. Like he has a knack for getting under people's skin. And if the Nets are going to take on some of that villain role, which we mentioned on previous shows, Rodion's could fill some of that. Yeah, I, I certainly do think that. And I, and I think that could be an avenue or route for him. Whatever happens, I just... I mean, we miss basketball in such a huge yeah. extent. And I think all of these guys that aren't playing do to an even greater extent because they can't really strut their stuff. But, you know, whatever form of basketball that we see in the future from our individual players or former players, you know, I want to see D'Lo thrive. I want to see Karis thrive. I want to see all of the guys that have put on a Brooklyn Nets uniform and have contributed to this team in some form or another absolutely thrive. And that includes Claxton, includes Rodion's. But Nick, a couple of other little things I want to throw at you. Uh, before, obviously, we're going to give a shout-out to the Brooklyn Nets and what they've continued to do in terms of uh, their coronavirus response. Uh, Wilson Chandler on the Nets' Twitter. You know, he had you know a couple of favorite movies, a couple of favorite TV shows. I'll throw them at you, and I want you to tell me what sticks out. And, and you go, yeah, that, that's that's my guy, Wilson Chandler. So his movies. He had Casino. He had Crooklyn, Death Proof, The Prestige, which is a great choice, uh, Lord of the Rings, and then some TV shows. He had Ozark, Snowfall, Mindhunter, Narcos and The Outsider. Musical artists, he had Tupac, Marvin Gaye, Nipsey Hussle, Nas, and Nina Simone. A books, he had The Alchemist, Between the World and Me, Soledad Brother, The Prison Letters of George Jackson, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Man's High Consciousness. I mean, we're going to talk about just off-court stuff, Nick, because we need anything when it comes to content. What sticks out to you from uh, our guy, Wilson Chandler, and some of his likes and what's keeping him sane during quarantine? Lord of the Rings is funny because I just got Cynthia to start watching Lord of the Rings series. They're <laughs> super long, but they're oh, very yeah. good. Um, TV shows, we got a lot in common. I just watched Ozark. I love that show. That was great. 
Uh, Narcos is a great show. Mindhunter, I find, is very interesting. I like shows that sometimes really make me think about things, even if it's not directly correlated with the show. It's kind of like a deeper meaning. So really liking the TV shows. Uh, Musical-wise, I mean, they're all great artists. They're not typically my favorites in terms of, like, Tupac. I'm more of a Biggie guy. And, like, Nas, I'm more of a Jay-Z guy. So I think – but they're good choices. Book-wise, I'm not a huge reader, so I'm not going to lie to our listeners. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean the, the movies i i'd love the prestige it's uh, one of one of my top movies not my favorite nolan movie but it's certainly up there i think it's just a, a great story and david bowie r.i.p is absolutely sensational and as a christian bale um and you know pre- death proof you know anything tarantino does is absolutely genius you know i think he needs a a few more shitty reality shows that your boy jack <laughs> it's a bit more below deck a bit of uh love is blind a bit of too hot to handle nick you know he needs to you know get that trash of reality because you know, sometimes we just need to switch off and, and, and absolutely dumb down and turn our brains into mush and just see some hot people argue about, you know, just dumb drama. And that's uh, where I'm going with uh, my quarantine. Love is blind, that, too hot to handle, ladies and gents. That honestly feels like it's Netflix's new angle. They're like, well, we can make a lot of money on it. And it feels like people are really cashing in on that. Netflix has been dropping a lot of TV and movie shows. It's like they're like, hey, this is quarantine. We're just going to rush all of our uh, release dates for later this year and drop it now. Yeah, I mean, they just have content for days, a, a little bit like us at, at OTG Basketball and and uh, the Brooklyn Buzz. But uh, And I think also as well, because The Last Dance is shown on Netflix outside of America. So that's the way that I'm watching it. And I have to unfortunately wait a few hours to watch it unless I was to find, you know, you know, I, I just, I, I, it sucks that I have to wait. But, you know, I, I like watching it with my family and stuff and, you know, talking about it the next day uh, with you, Corey, and, and the other guys at OTG. But yeah, Netflix is uh, doing plenty. Maybe we'll get a, a Brooklyn Nets doco. It'd be pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome, especially after Katie and Kyrie win a championship. But, you know, that's for another day. Jack, anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here? I uh, just want to give a shout-out to Barclays and the Brooklyn Nets who partnered with the Food Bank for New York City to host a mobile food pantry <clears throat> on, the Are- on the plaza of Barclays Center uh, earlier today, uh, New York time. So any, <clears throat> any good things that Joe Sy, the Brooklyn Nets, Barclays Center are doing, um, any good is being done deserves a shout out and then some it deserves an entire podcast worth of content um, it, it is an absolutely massive thing all the little things matter uh, especially when there's so much shit happening right now uh, among the world in, in so many different angles we want to highlight the good stuff and uh, the food bank for new york city doing amazing things as is barclays center as are the brooklyn nets in a lot of ways uh, keep staying healthy guys and uh, we'll keep trying to provide you some good content so you can escape and uh, listen to some two dumb blokes speak about a, a damn good basketball team. I agree, Jack. I mean, the fact that the Nets have done so much, Joseph Sai with the mask, the ventilators, and now the food pantry, just like helping in New York, which obviously is going through a dire time and people across the world, it's great to have some positive news related to the organization and some of the work that the players have done. It's really been great to be a Nets fan knowing these guys are doing their part. It is. It's it's honorable. You know, it's honorable yep. with, a, with a capital H and they, it makes me... And I think that, you know, the NBA in general uh, are, are leading the way in so many ways. And, and I mean, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't have to be leading the way when it comes to a goddamn pandemic, but they are and their players are and the leadership are. And, you know, it makes you happy to be a Nets fan. It makes you happy to be an NBA fan. 100%. And on that note, we're out of here. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otdbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.